de Viscount, celle du comète. Et comme leur totem n'a jamais pu abattre à leurs pieds, ni Boeing, ni même des C4. And now, live, from space, the 200% podcast, with Ian King, and Edward Carter. Open wide for some soccer! Hello pod fans and welcome to 200% podcast number 308, mm-hmm. the low energy football podcast. Yeah, you're not going to, well, I don't know, you're, you're probably not going to get overexcitable voices. Well, maybe not, no. You know, I don't know, it depends on what we talk about. I suppose, yeah, if you can just hide some of the, the weariness and fear. <laughs> We're oh, we're doing weariness and fear this week. The football is going very well for Nottingham Forest. I've had my ups and downs, um, but generally the club's in good health. You're in four competitions again, defending the European Cup, going for the League Championship, and of course the FA Cup and the Football League Cup. What are the priorities? The Football League always has been and always will be. I would gladly go out of the European Cup, the Football League Cup. And the FA Cup, which we're not even in yet, I would gladly go out of them tomorrow if you could guarantee me winning the Football League. Where were you in May 1999? Well, that's a good question. That's that's an interesting way to start. I, I wasn't expecting that question. Where was I in May 1999? Yeah. I was kind of staying all over the place a bit at my girlfriend's house at my parents house or my parents had a flat by that time i think we're gonna need to get the explicit thing on this podcast may 1999 yeah i mean that was when that was when man united beat barcelona to win the euro it certainly was yeah and i was living there i was i was at my mum and dad's when i saw that whether i was living there or not i wouldn't i wouldn't be able to tell you well the significance of may 1999 mm-hmm. is that it was the last time that leicester city derby county and nottingham forest were all in the top flight of english football oh i see that was a segue yeah it was yeah albeit you know we should point out that nottingham forest finished bottom that season okay right this week we're talking about nottingham forest mm-hmm. is nottingham forest how do you solve a problem like Nottingham Forest? What is Nottingham Forest? Um, it, it's, a, it's a great big glutinous ball of shambles, is what it is. The oldest professional football club in the Football League? Uh, yeah. That didn't work out so well for the last 
oldest professional football club in the Football League who hailed from Nottingham. Do you know why they weren't a founder member of the Football League? Um, you know, there is a specific reason why. Is it because they thought that they were all communists and pinkos? No, it was a stipulation the 12 clubs offered places in the Football League. Ah, uh, yes, you could only have one. different towns. Yes, yes, yes. And Notts County yeah. got the nod. Now, I did know that. And I have willfully forgotten it. So, yeah, that is a very good point. It does also throw a little bit of light on the perennial conundrum, which is how the East Midlands can have all the oldest professional football clubs Mm. in the world and so little success, relatively speaking. Well, you know, you, you you can extend that to Sheffield. Yep. Absolutely. Also, also in the East Midlands. <laughs> come, come at me, bra. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. It's the way that these things go. You know, football in the nineteen fifties industrialized. It moved to the big cities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have a look at the league champions of the nineteen fifties, and it's 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 mostly Burnley. It's Wolverhampton. Yeah. You go into the yeah. 1960s, it's all Manchester and Which Liverpool. is, of course, what makes what Brian Clough did with Derby and then Nottingham Forest all the more remarkable. Yeah. Which brings us back to Nottingham Forest are a bloody shambles. I mean, the fascinating thing about what Brian Clough did with Nottingham Forest and Derby is that nobody has ever really provided a reasonable explanation for how they happened. No. I've never heard one that's persuaded. It was witchcraft. You know, well, it's acknowledged that Brian Clough is a genius, and I know that you're top of the Brian Clough fan club. I am. You know, got his face tattooed on your stomach. I'm chief young man of the Brian Clough Guild. Exactly. It's very difficult to get your head round what exactly it was that let him do that twice. Yeah, it's it was... almost it's almost impossible. With some of the same players. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to take a team from the lower divi- lower reaches of the second division to the first division championship in like two or three years or whatever. Yeah. Three or two you know. It's almost impossible to do yeah. that. You might have noticed from the fact that it's hardly ever been done. He did it twice. And he did it twice. And the second time, he then made them the champions of Europe. Yeah, in six years. Well, he might well have made Derby the champions of Europe, but of course they fucking fired him, didn't they? They certainly did. It's very difficult if you actually kind of put a analyst's head on to identify what where the genius was. He wasn't incredibly he wasn't incredible tactically. You know, he wasn't breaking any ground tactically. No, no, that's that's fair to say. He I liked think. to keep the ball on the floor, as any foo knows. But I don't remember Derby or Nottingham Forest being particularly averse to a long ball. He knew what he liked. He knew yeah. the way he wanted people to play. But he wasn't any he wasn't a great tactical theorist. Yeah, I mean, I get that he was um, incredibly popular with the players and that they would run for a wall for him. I get that. Yeah. But how far does that take you? 
Yeah, when your players are John O'Hare, mm. Alan Durban and uh, McGriff, yeah. the crime dog. Yeah, jo- John Robertson, who somehow or other is a winger. That's it, you see. It's shamanic. It's, it's sh- some sort of shamanic hoodoo. Yeah, it's that really he weird. It's, he, he almost defies... I, I mean, the thing is that he did it the kind of twice. But really, after about 1982, nothing. Yeah. Very lopsided managerial career to achieve so much in the first sort of, you know, 15 years. And then just to, just almost nothing. Stick a pin in Brian Clough's later managerial career because we're coming back to that later on mm. in the podcast. Brian Clough was the 15th Nottingham Forest manager. Yeah. And <laughs> he took control of 968 games for Nottingham Forest. The mm. Nottingham, current Nottingham Forest manager is the 49th. Mm. And in that time, so you're looking at almost 30 different managers because there have been some people who had two spells and caretakers and so forth. Mm. Yeah. Only Frank Clark, David Platt, Paul Hart and Billy Davis have managed for over 100 games at Nottingham Forest. I think that gives you some small indication as to systemic failings. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the problem is... That they're on the roundabout now, and it's spinning so fast, it's difficult to get off. Once you're tied into this state of mind, where things don't go the way you want, yeah. So as a chairman, you think, "All right, we'll give him till October. See if there's any improvement starting next season." Then, when it doesn't come around, because there's a myriad other problems. At most football clubs where this sort of shit is going on. Yeah. When it doesn't come around, he gets the sack. It's expensive. They've got to pay up his contract. They've got to pay they've got to get rid of all his staff. Yeah. Backroom stuff. They've got to hire a new backroom staff. They've got to hire a new manager. They might have to pay him more than they paid the one the one who was already there. But they're trapped. And when this guy this new guy sits down behind the manager's desk, the realisation hits me. He's got to use somebody else's players. Yeah, and staff. Because there ain't a transfer window now till January. No. And they almost certainly haven't got any money even then. Oh, no. And who's going to buy that lot of anybody? (laughs) So you limp through the second half of the season and keep your fingers crossed that you don't get relegated. Yep. If you do get relegated, you might even breathe a bit of a sigh of relief because you can get rid of the manager a bit early. (laughs) Because otherwise you've just got to see him through to the October like they always do. Yeah. 1999 is also the last time that Nottingham Forest were in the Premier League. And that's a long time ago. And my question is, are Nottingham Forest being held back by trying to reach unrealistic goals? Where, Where are Nottingham Forest actually supposed to be? Because... The fact is, it's a miracle that they were ever champions of Europe. It is, yeah. And it's a, it's probably a miracle that they were ever champions of England, seeing that they did it for the first time so late. Likewise, yeah, yeah. So, you know, what is Nottingham Forest's level? Well, I mean, I, I guess my answer to that question is that your level fluctuates over time. Yeah, I've got a graph. I prepared a graph, which is excellent. Oh, this, is, this is fantastic for a podcast because I have, I haven't even seen it. 
Well, no, but I, it's just a visualization for me. Actually, I mean, I, I can put a picture of it up on Twitter, but it is just a tatty old piece of shit thing. But it's as I say, it's just a visualization for me. Mm. And you'll be unsurprised to learn that during the Premier League era, so from nineteen ninety two slash ninety three, when football began, mm. Nottingham Forest have been, you know, largely speaking a second-tier team, mm-hmm. as indeed have Derby County. Mm-hmm. Um, Leicester City have tended towards being more of a top-flight team. Well, you know, it's it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I think Forrest and Derby hate each other more than either hate Leicester. Yeah. Incidentally, do you know uh, Forrest's next league match is against this Saturday? Oh, is it uh, Derby? Derby County oh. away. Oh, what when's oh god when's that on? Uh, I think it's a twelve thirty kickoff. Yeah, I'm watching that. It's the Brian Clough Trophy, is what they call it, isn't it? Right, is it now? I yeah. don't know whether or not there, there's a trophy presentation at the end, which would be I wouldn't have thought. I, w- I wouldn't have thought so. <laughs> the ceremonial the, lucky green sweater. Yeah, the losers have to present it to the winners with as much grace as they can muster. The losers have to drink a bottle of Martell brandy every day. Yeah. Until the next Brian Clough trophy. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's not what anybody was expecting. I mean, I don't know really what, you know, what I was expecting of Nottingham Forest this season. They didn't tear much up last season. I think they came 17th. What, you know, under Sabri Lamucci? Uh, in the championship. Well, and, and, and Chris Hewton. And Chris Hewton. I have to say, when they appointed Chris Hewton, I thought that might be the most sensible thing that they've done in a very, very long time. Because Chris Hewton, obviously, you know, the Brighton connection is, is well known. And, I mean, that's a series of miracles to get Brighton into the Premier League, which is way above our natural position in things. Well, I mean, he's been successful in a, you know, at some point in some way in each of his previous jobs. Yeah, but he's also done, he's done the same thing for Norwich City and he's done the same thing for Newcastle United. And I think with Newcastle United, he did it with a record total of points. Yeah, yeah. So I thought, well, this could be it. Nottingham Forest are on the way. Yeah, the, the, the problem is I think the Newcastle title win was 2010. Which makes that 12 years ago. Yeah. And things have changed since then. Um, I do worry that Chris Hewton has passed his prime now. That's not to say that I don't like him as a person. Noted, avowed Trotskyite. It's, well, I don't know whether he was a a Trotskyite or not, or whether that's just been (laughs) added for... With uh, someone on Wikipedia has been having the time of their life, yeah. haven't they? Uh, it was probably it, Steve Perryman. Yeah. <laughs> oh, bloody hell, Steve. Uh, but, um, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I think that it was a long time ago. That, you know, that was the new customer. Because the problem is that he came into it quite late, you know? Yeah. He was a coach for quite a long time and an assistant for quite a long time. And uh, so he came into it at quite, quite a late age. I mean, 
he is what 61 62 now i think something like that and you have to kind of start thinking well you know maybe maybe what worked five or ten years ago isn't going to work now well that's possible but of course it is it is also true to say that if a different coaching strategy or approach is required Nottingham Forest have tried every single possible one that you can think of. I mean, Sabri Lamucci, Martin O'Neill, <laughs> Gary Megson. Yeah, some of them several times. Some of them, um, yeah. It's, I mean, and, but the thing is, it it's rudderless, is what it is, and and a fish rots from the head down. So this is it, on this is on Evangelos Marinakis, who's the owner. It does. Of the club. It does sort of speak from the outside of just absolute desperation just someone having a massive flap drowning away i mean the thing is that they hired this new ceo at the start of the summer dame murphy his name is he came from barnsley barnsley had a good season last season so obviously they were picked clean well yeah during the summer have been a very upwardly mobile club recently. Uh, he bought his club secretary with him. Uh, club secretary is a, a pretty important position that doesn't get talked about enough. You know, the manager is ultimately uh, an offshoot of the club secretary. And uh, they also bought in this swanky new guy who was a, who's a head of analytics, who's coming from uh, Stuttgart, Germany, and. On the one hand, you think, okay, well, you know, maybe they're addressing a more modern way of looking at it. If the viewpoint is that Chris Hewton needs support that is more up to date, or if Mm. they're looking to get rid of him in a few months, then they want to get something in place that reflects a more modern outlook. But then you think, or have they just gone for the CEO of the really successful team from last season and let him bring whoever he wants? And then yeah. just gone, chucked money ahead of analytics, yeah, without yeah, well, much of a plan yeah. of what to do with him. How do we know that it's going okay? This analytics stuff, because yeah, well, yeah, the, the, you it's know, more of the same, isn't it? Got, it's the same, the same problem that they've had for twenty odd years, twenty plus years, nearly thirty years in perpetuity. Yeah, you because know, I've got some statistics for you. Nottingham Forest played for, <laughs> lost for. You know, and that's the one. That's the one that really matters. They're the only team in the championship with no points. That's the one that everybody has to deliver on, and um, and so you do kind of like I say. I, I was a little bit torn. I did a lot of reading about this yesterday, and uh, I was like, oh, well, okay. You know, they're embracing. So, and then I thought, yeah, but are they? Or is this just some kind of like half-assed sort of grasping towards something that they don't fully understand? I don't. I and I think that it is it, the the latter is as likely as the former. This analytics expert, it's just a hundred chimpanzees in suits in a shipping container, all playing a game of Championship Manager. All right. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> and then they they sort of collate an average, and. Uh, decide at the end of it who they should sign 
Add a yakin boy, you stupid monkey. <laughs> no bananas for you tonight. No more peanuts for any of you. <laughs> Toe Madeira does not exist. It's just such terrible management from top to bottom. And uh, like I say, the, 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 the sum total of that, the result of that in my head is to start thinking, I don't know. Sounds to me like somebody's read the first three or four chapters of Inverting the Pyramid and then got got a bit bored with it. But thought, <laughs> you know, oh, we I suppose we probably better embrace this 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 brave new world. I, oh, I don't blimey. know. It's <sighs> but no, I mean you are right, and they're, again they're just throwing. Let's get this person in. They've got this idea. Let's get this person in. Let's get this player in. Yeah. Let's do this. Let's just throw everything we can at it. Yeah. And hopefully something will work and no one will notice that we're dying here. Yeah, you just don't see any strategy because the strategy changes so much. Nottingham Forest have had 21 managers since they've been in the championship on this run 13 years yeah they are actually the joint longest inmates of this division do you know who the other joint longest inmates of this division are uh well i've got it on my graph it's derby it's county, derby county. <laughs> <laughs> you've longest... had derby county have been in this division for a good long yeah. while longest time spent in purgatory joint award oh hell's waiting room 21 managers in 13 years. And like I say, you know, some of them, Billy Davis twice at least. One oh, bloke, yeah, Billy Davis who's, has been in twice. One bloke who was in there as caretaker manager for four days, you know. But the point is that I don't care. The number of managers that you've had in the last 13 years is the number of managers you've had. And I don't care if you call him a caretaker manager or whether you say he was only there for three and a half hours or what. He, he goes, if he's on the list, <laughs> if he's on the list, he counts. But the point is, 21 managers in 13 years. Where's the strategy there? At what point has somebody actually taken the time to work out a, 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 a long-term strategic plan here? Because... It doesn't look very much for me as though anyone has. What's happening here is that fairly routinely somebody is shitting their pants. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then, and then smearing it all over the walls with their bare hands. I think, I think I've figured it out. Oh, God. I think here we go. Nottingham Forest could be a cargo cult. Go on. It seems to me like their strategy is to wait until another miracle-working shamanic managerial genius comes along and scatters his magic beans. Well, yeah, I mean... That that seems to be their strategy. Yeah, I mean, we had this conversation, didn't we, about Manchester United last week, about how Man United have only ever had two good managers. See how toasty my takes are? Well, they are very um, toasty. With this one, uh, how likely... Is it that they're going to get another Brian Clark? One, th- one, one thing they've not done is gone to, gone back to the source of the well and appointed Nigel Clough. It's still on. So that's that's what they're waiting for then, yeah? Yeah, it's still on. But... This is the last, 
the last Dar- Darby have already tried it, haven't they? And it didn't work. Yeah, the last chance that Forrest will ever get. Well, unless there is a prophecy that <laughs> one of Nigel Clough's children... Well, it was one of Brian Clough's grandchildren that's going to come along. <laughs> they should name a stand at the city ground after them preemptively. <laughs> I'm now reading <laughs> Nigel Clough's Wikipedia page. Okay. Because I'm interested to see, you know, what he's got children-wise. He's, yeah, there's definitely some issue there. William. William Clough. I need to know about William Clough. Nigel Clough's son. There are definitely some... Clough grandchildren out there. Doesn't say how old he is. But I mean, <laughs> Nigel Clough was only born in 1966. He ain't going to be old enough to be a manager yet, is he? Even if he plays football, which I couldn't see a Wikipedia page for him or anything mm. relating to football for that. Well, moment. it could be that they're training him up by sticking him in the shipping container what? with the monkeys. You reckon they, they hatched him under laboratory conditions and he's lived his... <laughs> He's, he's lived his entire life being 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 fed fucking brandy from a teak pipette just a couple of drops every day trying to slowly age him and mature him into the distilled perfect Brian Clough. He was born in Sherwood Forest and they swaddled him in a green sweatshirt. Yeah. Interesting that Forrest had dibs on that and not Derby. Because Dar, you know, either that or Derby tried it and it failed. Because to be absolutely a number of number of managers that Derby have had over the last few years, you know, Zombie Clough could have quite easily sneaked through then, and I would barely have noticed. Well, Zombie Clough is the ideal, isn't it, for any club? Well, especially one who have such a scattershot approach to trying to connect with success as Nottingham Forest. I, I really want Nottingham Forest to do well. I, I like Nottingham Forest. But yeah. I have to say, I think there is a realistic chance that they are doing well at the moment. And this is just about their level. I mean, they're not doing well at the moment. They're absolute dog shit. And, um, well, no, I mean, look, I'll, right, I'll put it this way, OK. If Bournemouth can be in the Premier League, which they were, if Burnley true, can be in the Premier yeah. League, which they are, if Brighton or Watford can be in the Premier League, which they are, then surely yep. fucking Nottingham Forest can. If you look at them now, they're capable of getting 30,000, 35,000 crowds. The support base is there. Um, they've got a ground which really needs one stand tearing down and putting back to, um, and being rebuilt. It's, it's, I think they might have just got planning permission to do that. Oh yes, the William Clough stand. Yeah, the William Clough stand, the zombie Clough stand. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, sorry, that one's at Pride Park. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, you know, in a, it, but it's in a superb location, right on the banks of the Trent. It's a, you know barely a mile from the city centre. One one of the best football days out, in Nottingham. There you go, my recommendation for you. Well, you know, Nottingham Forest. It's proper, proper old. Football club, great well, name. Forest and County are both very close to each other. Yeah. Um, but uh, they're very different clubs. But, you know, every, everything's there apart from one stand and a decent owner, you know. I think that if they could actually get a proper 
system in place they could they could actually kind of get it working properly spend their money more wisely rather than on fucking compensations of managers that they've just sacked after you know giving them a five-year contract and then firing them 70 days later or something um, yeah, yeah that was a mistake. I don't think they've ever done anything that dumb. They, they might have. Done. Not, no, maybe, maybe not quite. But that the point is, the point is that this is expensive. It sets the club back. You know, it's like the thing about year zero is that you have to restart, start rebuilding basically from the bottom again, only with the tools, mostly with the tools that you just failed with. Yeah, and uh, yeah. it's it's a cycle that they seem to be finding almost impossible to get out of. And Derby have been the same way. It's only Derby's Derby's solution was to spend way more money than they had, sell their ground to themselves, and then just basically explode into a cataclysm of terribleness. They are definitely. Football's biggest soap opera at the moment. It shows that there are many different ways to explode your ambitions. Yeah. And uh, everything is is worthy of being explored. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess in some ways it's a good thing that Evan, uh, Evangelos Marinakis isn't richer. Because then he'd just load even bigger and more manageable loans onto Nottingham Forest. And uh, the chances are that things could be even worse. But um, it's it's going badly. I like Chris Hewton. I want him to succeed. I want Nottingham Forest to succeed. But I just don't see where that's coming from at the moment. I don't see where the where the where the little chink of light at the end of the tunnel is on that. I mean, Derby have started this season okay. Yeah, Derby true. are fourteenth. They've. Uh, one one drawn two and lost one, and somewhat ironically, for a team that is managed by England's record goal scorer, their <laughs> biggest problem seems to have really been in front of the goal. Well, the other the other biggest problem, of course, is that he's having to use his office bin as a shit house. Yeah, well, you know, he's. <laughs> <laughs> I called him. I wrote a thing about Derby. And I described Wayne Rooney as the EFL Championships Kirk Van Houten. Well, yeah, he is, yeah. Can, can he borrow can a feeling? Can he borrow a feeling? That's good. Good news for him this week. He's, he's, he's got his racing car bed. It's not all doom and gloom in football. No. This week, Rochdale had there's some good news. Some good Rochdale news. Yeah, I have to be very careful what I say about this because um, I, 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 there's a, there's a risk of libeling somebody. Else. Yeah, that, that's what I was kind of hoping S- that you were going to do. Slandering somebody. Rochdale have been the subject of a hostile takeover bid since uh, earlier this year. It's two guys. One of them had no previous particular interest in football that I could see. And this one guy who was somehow or other involved in at Swindon Town last season, which is a 
a, a really good sign. <laughs> yeah, no alarm goes off there. Absolutely no alarms go off there whatsoever. But then there was also this third guy who was like, I don't know whether he was an advisor or what, but uh, on his LinkedIn page, he seemed to be just a guy who introduces people to people. And uh, in view of the recent Al Jazeera documentary about these shady middlemen who act as a front for anonymous clients who wish to money launder, etc. I'm not saying that this guy has any particular links to anything shady, but there's clearly an issue, a serious issue, a serious financial crime issue in relation to football clubs and football club ownership in this country. Football has always been a sitting duck for money laundering. And the truth of the matter is that we don't really know how much of it there is. All I know for sure, and all we all know for sure, is that Mm. non-league football clubs to this day still deal primarily in cash and they are very small businesses that are run by largely volunteers. And men in crowns. Yeah. And would I be that surprised if it became apparent that there was widespread money laundering going on in in, in non-league football in this country? Actually, I probably wouldn't. Probably wouldn't be that surprised. I have no evidence to sort this, uh, to support this other than the vast amount of time that I've spent in, in non-league football and you know amateur football and whatever and the just the way that these things are dealt with it's so chaotic at a lot of places that masking it wouldn't even be necessary you know because it's already mm. just such a mess considering all of that this guy who's this advisor with all these foreign connections comes in. There was nothing in the company accounts which indicated that the money was there to support it as an ongoing venture. The whole thing, just it just felt as if they were doing it on the hoof, you know, making it up as they went along. Now, yeah. the interesting thing about Rochdale is that Rochdale kind of sit halfway between community-owned and privately owned they have 331 different shareholders all owning different numbers of shares and these two guys have been trying to hoover up enough shares to get to 51% at which point they could you know assume control and then there are mechanisms in the place in place which allow them to work their way up from 51% until they have sort of full ownership but it all yeah. just seemed very strange to be happening at Rochdale. That is a bit unusual, isn't it? Which I was mean, unusual. Rochdale, obviously, you know, they're in the same area as a number of very large clubs. Mm. In, but famously, they aren't one of them. Yeah. And also famously, the other significant thing about Rochdale is that they are one of the least mobile clubs in the history of the English Football League. Yes, they were they, 30, in, they were 36 years in the bottom division. Of the, of resolutely the... stayed in that division. Like, uh, 
convict who uh, has just become institutionalised and really doesn't want to be released. Yeah. And so all of this is happening. All of the people involved in the takeover, well, they look like they're just normal names in a takeover. But then it's like, oh yeah, but that Al Jazeera thing the other week, you know, it wasn't just bigger clubs. They liked the smaller clubs as well because they came with sort of, you know, less of a light being shone on them. And then when it came down to it, they hadn't got EFL permission before buying up all these shares, which they do need to have because they needed to pass the owners and directors test. They refused to cooperate with the EFL and then they just collapsed the whole thing, really, as soon as there was the first sign of pushback against it. So <laughs> I'm not sure what any of that was about. The only thing I do know is that Rochdale supporters have been un fucking believable about it there is a page on their supporters forums which is just links to all the different subjects relating to the story going back to the very start all laid out in forum style so you can just click on one and go into it read all of it read all the links from that Go wow. back to the like start. the denouement of a good Perry Mason mystery. Yeah, uh, they did an amazing job. They found out as much information as it was possible to find out about these two guys whose behaviour was just very weird. And of course, and the thing is that this... Uh, there was a meeting about, uh, I think about three weeks ago, four weeks ago, uh, a Zoom meeting between uh, one of the guys behind the takeover and this advisor guy. And I think it was the EFL. And I think it was the board of Rochdale and a representative from the trust of Rochdale. And this guy just said, well, first of all, he used a homophobic slur. Good stop. Uh, he called the current directors of the club a bunch of Nancy boys. <laughs> Um, and then he offered that maybe they should settle their result, their, their any, uh, they should settle any disputes that they have in a pub car park. Wow! So it must be amazing in Rochdale. Yeah. So the thing is that so that he was under kind of it's like, that kind of pushed the whole thing, the whole mess into the public eye. I was kind of half aware of it, but had been doing Euros and then taking a much-needed break and then pre-season stuff to write. And and now I'm getting, you know, you probably, you might have noticed I've been working for a backlog of the clubs that have been blowing a gasket lately. Um, yeah. On 200%, we've done what Rochdale, Scunthorpe, um, Barnet, Forest, I've done Derby about three or four times, Sheffield Wednesday, you know. <laughs> And uh, so I've been kind of got to get back up to speed with all of these again. And I think Forrest might be about the last one, unless there's anyone particular I'm missing. I can't think of the top of my head. Well, we all know what people who are buying football clubs are like. I'm just pleased that it, we've got a story here whereby people have actually been able to fight back in time. Because there have been a lot of clubs who haven't been able to fight back in time and have got themselves in a lot, yeah, of, a, yeah. lot of trouble. Yeah, but I mean, of course, Rochdale was the home of the cooperative movement. So that's, yeah. that's the reason why. And black puddings. Yeah, it's the reason why they have this particular share ownership structure. Yeah. And it's also very important. You type Rochdale into Google. It's very interesting, very revealing. You type Rochdale into Google. 
and it also completes to Rochdale AFC before even just Rochdale. Well, I mean, it does. It does for you. When I type Rochdale into Google, it's Rochdale Young Milf and Donkey Sanctuary. Oh right, okay, yeah. Well, that's <laughs> that is just you, <laughs> young milf, <laughs> and, and, a, and a donkey <laughs> dressed as a young milf. Young Wolf uh, by Union Gap. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Christ. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, made, made, made ourselves laugh, have we? Yeah. Young, young Wolf. What a magazine. I'm going to start the magazine, Young Wolf. <laughs> Yeah, which is all it is. Which is all it is. I hope it is anyway, because if he's leaving players out of the team because they're not wearing the one to eleven shirt, then that well, is yeah. I mean, that would be a very serious psychological issue that I would suggest would necessitate his immediate removal as manager. <laughs> but no, yeah, I'm was, only uh, playing these eleven this season. What if they're injured? Just get them out there. It's a, it's the first time in twenty three years that it's happened in the Premier League. Yeah, I mean, the, if you, uh, uh, I and, mean, and it got it it got social media in a fair tiz. It did. Yeah, I mean, I should imagine that Sean Dyche is the Premier League manager who'd be the most in favour of going back to one to eleven shirts and uh, yeah, uh, I'm uh, sure uh, and no and no players' names. Yeah, yeah. He, I, I, I would, I would say that's quite likely. Sean Dyche's favourite eau de cologne is Deep Heat. Yeah, yeah. That's the yeah. He, he is a real football man with a real football voice. <laughs> He's and, certainly got a real football has, voice. Yeah. I also smoke uh, exhaust pipes. As I've been told in the past, that that's what makes my throat like this. I have gravel for breakfast. That was another thing. So them three combined often are the things I use to keep this voice sounding how it is. Um, but no, it's fair to say I didn't actually eat the worms. There was a bit of banter that I used to have, and I've, I've done this here and when I was manager at Watford. You get one of them nice big juicy worms hanging out your mouth just on the edge there, and then as if you're chewing it. And of course, the worm then comes out, wash your mouth out of water. So possibly a bit of a translation difficulty as well. I don't know. I definitely, for the record, I definitely don't eat worms. And so I dare say there was a glimmer of satisfaction spread across his face when he realised what he'd done. I'm sure. I'm and it sure might, it, it might well have been sped. You know, it might have been. He he might have thought, okay, how are we going to do the squad numbers this year? My first choice team for our first home game is going to be the numbers one to eleven. And we'll worry about yeah. the details afterwards. So he might have done that. 
I would have if but I, he didn't. So he just he just said it was a coincidence, did he? He slow well he slow played him because of course this was his second game of the year. I think the last time it happened, that was exactly what happened. And it was Charlton Athletic, the first game of the season in nineteen ninety eight. Yeah. Illich, Mills. Powell, Redfern, Rufus, Eudes, Newton, Kinsella, Hunt, Mendonca, and Robinson. Clive Mendonca. Yeah. <laughs> Clive Mendonca. That, that was a Premier League team in 1998-1999. Was it for long? Oh, I suppose it was, actually, wasn't they, they, it? <laughs> yeah, they stuck about for a little bit you longer, forget, didn't they? You always forget things like that. <laughs> but I've looked into... I looked into... I looked into this. Uh, Twelve of the current Premier League teams mm. could play uh, 1 to 11 8 mm. of them currently cannot because they're missing numbers Brighton are missing a number 3 Everton don't have a number 3 Leeds don't have a number 8 Liverpool don't have a number 2 Man City don't have a number 1 or 4 fucks sake they they, they haven't re- they didn't retire the number 4 when company retired did they or something I don't stupid know. like that West West Ham don't have a 4, 6 or 11, and I believe that they did retire number 6. They did retire number Moore. 6, yeah. Wolves don't have a number 4, and Tottenham don't have a number 9. <laughs> Tell us about it. Hey, lads. Am I right? <laughs> no, but the Tottenham don't currently have anybody assigned that, that, number That will likely be a Dharma Traore, won't they, if he, if he goes there. I'm well, quite pleased. It, I'd be quite pleased if they sign a, a Dharma Traore, because have you seen the fucking size of him? Oh, he's a unit, but my concern would be for the kit man because you've got to manage to get a shirt to fit over those yeah. ripples rippling, and bulges. Rippling biceps, rippling biceps. Never seen anything like it. Well, I mean, I, yeah, I haven't seen anything like mm. it and I was watching the Olympics. Yeah, I've got an erection now. <laughs> <laughs> so, there, you know... One, statistics... day, one day I'll say that matter-of-factly. And it will be true. There were no, there was no statistical anomalies about you getting an erection. Listeners' questions. I've got one. Have you got? You've got any from from Twitter? Uh, yeah. What's your one then? We'll start with this. Is the first one that we received, and it's a very in depth and thought provoking question. Is it? But why don't um, you both shut up? That's <laughs> <laughs> why don't you shut up? Um, Tom from Lewis, uh, who is a, a long time listener. To oh, the you told me we had an email. Why does Jurgen Norbert Klopp? really wear that hat what is the pod's official line on managerial headwear well i mean i'm in favor are you but well i am up to a point because it becomes a little bit staid if everyone's just going to wear a baseball cap i tell you what right Uh, if they all had their own style of hat you know like the john rudge flat cap right i'll uh, tell you somebody in a cowboy hat i watched that Crystal Palace team of the seventies thing this morning. It was on BT Sport. Watch that while I okay. was working, tippity tapping away. Okay. And uh, of course, Malcolm Allison famously 
wore that fedora. Excellent example of what I'm talking about. It's on the 1976 FA Cup run. And what I hadn't appreciated about that fedora is how fucking stupid it looked. <laughs> it kind of stuck right up in the air like an upside down mushroom. But to be fair, it... I, don't, I can prove it. I can prove it. I will go I will go into the recording of it and I will get fucking screen grabs. Because but... there was one point and I was like... I was, I was watching it and I think it was... Um, the semi-final when they when they finally lost to uh, Southampton at Stamford Bridge, and he's wearing this hat, and I was like, he looks ridiculous. That's not supposed to be cool, is it? Because he looks like he looks like a Smurf who's trying to join the Rat Pack. <laughs> but it gave him a, a very distinct look. It, it, it was certainly very distinct. What, imagine I mean, a Premier League. Where and this is this is sort of cartoon strip theory now. This is Matt Groening believes that all really iconic cartoon characters should be able to be easily expressed in silhouette, mm-hmm. and that's the opportunity that hats would provide the the Premier League managers. I think if they all divvied up, there is more. There's more than twenty different types of hat. So how's this benefiting? Malcolm Allison. Well, it isn't benefiting Malcolm Allison, but I tell you, there's some Premier League managers who could benefit from a hat, and Pep Guardiola knows who they are. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. A hat made out of hair, am I right? Pep Guardiola's wig. See, it takes like two seconds to set me off again. <laughs> <laughs> or or just, uh, you know, just like one made out of gaffer tape. Like, just get yeah. some gaffer tape wrapped around his head, just to keep it warm. Well, okay. I was thinking to myself the other day, because I am not bored. <laughs> I was thinking to myself the other day, why don't more bald people just, like, colour in the top of their head with marketing? <laughs> You can have any haircut you wanted. Any colour you like, as long as it's black. <laughs> he'd look like a fuck. <laughs> and then it, and it rained. Oh, no, it's permanent marker. Permanent marker. Yeah. I mean, one of those, you know, those big, thick felt tips. The ones that come in a little tiny, uh, like a like a short metal tube and when you open it it just this whatever the hell is in this thing is basically poison one of those yeah yeah and you're just gonna scribble all over the top of your head with it i mean i suppose they do they do black obviously and they probably do a brown color don't they i think that would be your limit you wouldn't be able to do blonde unless you actually bleached your scalp no You'd have to bleach your scalp and then use a yellow pen. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know whether that would. This work. is the attraction of hats. I think it's a lot easier than this and safer than this. Yeah, but it's also you can't lose it. Do you think Jurgen like you Klopp is overcompensating? He's wearing the hat to draw our attention away from the fact that he's lost the specs. Yeah. What if right? Jurgen Klopp is because I haven't seen Jurgen Klopp without. A hat on for a while what if Jurgen Klopp 
has actually just got a fringe attached to the front of his baseball cap, and then when he lifts it off, completely bald. It's him. possible. Well, I mean, his hair does it's look not, very exciting. I'm sure I've, I've sure I'm sure I've seen his. Hasn't hair, he got plugs like, in the last? He's definitely he's had plugs. Oh, you, you, I think he? so. I don't know. Yeah. I don't pay I don't pay attention to this sort. Oh well, good luck. To well, yeah, I'm, I'm got... all in favour. I'm all in favour. Yeah, well, the, tr- the problem is, of course, Pep can't really have plugs at this point. It would be a bit no, obvious. Well, it's too, it's too <laughs> bit late. Bit late for that. Pep Guardiola with a full afro, mind you. All right, all right, Pep, you hairy fraud. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, managerial hats. I'm in favour of it. Like I had no idea that this subject of conversation was going to come up, I, and I actually was watching that documentary as well. It's very good. It's on the BT Sport app. Well, there you go. Uh, any, have we got any additional listener queries? Yes. Oh, you want to know what it is? Well, ideally. It was from this is from Simon Gardner, who I happens I happen to know. I I think supports Cheltenham Town. Yeah, he does. Okay. And he said, he wants to know, who's winning this year's National League? Well, I mean... Come on, Brainiac. I, I haven't got a clue. I mean, I don't really even know who's in the National League anymore. Um, oh. I assume it's all of the clubs who mysteriously aren't in the league anymore who were really bad. Well, you know that the people from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia bought Rex. Oh, yeah. Are they, are they going great guns with their... Um, well, they spent a lot of money. If, I, think. I think they've only, think just, though, I think they've only just started this week. If they're running that football club like they've run that pub in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, then there's going to be no worries there because that is a very poorly run business. Yeah, but I, I think that that is kind of the point. But if, the I mean, if they yeah, if they've got you know, Frank Reynolds just bankrolling the whole thing like a sugar daddy. <laughs> Yeah, it's not a documentary. <laughs> it is a documentary. <laughs> so what? Have, uh, uh, so, yeah, Wrexham, who, do, I know, who well? do you think is going to win it? Don't say Wrexham because I said Wrexham. I'm going to need to look up the uh, National League table. Oh, for God's sake. They only played one game. Well, I still need to see the table because that will provide me with a list of all of the competitive teams. I mean, I, Okay, I'll go for Notts County. Obviously, Notts County are in there and not... Uh, Will, will be amongst the favourites um, of of the teams who've won a match so far this season and, and still therefore have the chance to win every match. I have to say, I would like to see Altrincham do well because I like the name yeah. Altrincham. Okay. Uh, also, Maidenhead United because obviously Maidenhead. <laughs> but on, okay. on the whole. If if I were to be absolutely honest and just pick which team I would like to see do well in that division, I'd like to see Torquay United get back into the league. But okay. I mean, ultimately, right. you probably are looking at that teams like Notts County and Wrexham. You know, teams who've recently been in the league and have got adequate investment. Well, I mean, I you know, I I my Notts County thing there that was. Basically, but not Chesterfield. A, 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 I've still got some. I've still got some beef with Chesterfield about. Have you? Well, there was a. There was a. Oh, I tell you what, right? We were in Chesterfield. Yeah, well, you would have been. Um, about a month ago. Yeah. Uh, well, no, a bit longer were they ago. Burning no, about five, the six pier in ago. effigy. No, we were going. We were. We were on our way 
to where we were staying in the Peak District. And uh, it was we passed through Chesterfield. And Chesterfield has got this roundabout. But I swear to God, we went round this roundabout for about half an hour. <laughs> it's like a really big, almost like oblong roundabout. Oh. Kind of near the town centre. You can so, see the famous Crooked Spire. So it's essentially, it's like a miniature version of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. It's just this horrible, it's it's like a sort of roundabout come junction sort of thing. And we just kept going, we tried every combination <laughs> of junctions. Kept going around and around, kept seeing that crooked spiral, thinking how many fucking crooked spires have they got in this town? Yeah, it it was just, I mean, it was getting to the point where there was this slip road that you would go up and I could see that we were going back onto it again. And I was like, oh my God, she's getting so angry. <laughs> That's when the beating starts. She's it? getting so angry. She's getting so angry. And and I, I, I can't say, I don't want to say, um, I, I, I think we're back where we started again. <laughs> that. I don't want to no, be the one. Don't. I don't want to be the one who has to say that. I want her to figure it out for herself, and I, and I don't know if she completely has yet, and whether she's just staying quiet because she's so angry, <laughs> or <laughs> volcano of hostility. Whether it hasn't actually, whether it hasn't actually sunk in yet. Yeah. So in, in essence. The Chesterfield, the Chesterfield owned by their fans trust. In essence, you've got beef with Chesterfield. Chesterfield. I've got beef with Chesterfield. Well, I've got Chester. I've got I've got beef with this one particular stupid junction. Okay, so fuck Chesterfield and uh, Notts County. There you go. Put all your money on it. Put all your money. Don't. Oh my God. Don't. Have we got any other? Have we got any other uh, listener? Queries. I think we're all questioned out. I think we're all questioned out. There you go. Football solved. There you are. Football solved for another week. He's able to get the ball away and Forrest really can spring on here. This is Parker. Gainer up with him. And Clark, but Parker's going all the way himself. It's a terrific goal. A wonderful run. A second to go. Everton were on the Forest line, but we know that Brian Clough's team is geared to counter-attack. But how often do you see a goal like that, especially in a final? Well, Parker was considering one or two other options here until he realised that the goal was there for the taking if he went on, which he did, and threaded it under Southall. to Nottingham Forest to Gary Parker to which leaves us with but one order of business the match of the week yeah this week because we've had to be so cruel to Nottingham Forest to be kind I thought uh, we could watch the Simod Cup final from 1989. Between yeah. Everton and Nottingham Forest. An interesting curio of late 80s football in the UK. I particularly enjoyed Martin Tyler's desperate attempts throughout to justify the importance 
of this competition. Yeah, well, there were plenty of um, there were plenty of empty seats. Yeah, t- half full. Wembley, forty six thousand six hundred and six. Yeah, you could hear the crowd not even caring that much when they scored. The players didn't seem that bothered when they scored. I mean, this was the full members' cup. Yes, wasn't yes, it? under sponsorship name. Yes, it's a very curious. Um, thing the full the, there were three competitions that came in in 1985 when english clubs were kicked out of european competition for being just too awful and kind of murdering yeah there was the screen sports super cup which was for the teams who would have qualified for europe there was the full members cup which was for teams in the first and the second division and then there was the associate members cup for teams in the third and fourth division. And the reason for that competition is that the Football League at the time, I don't know whether they've changed this or how it's actually tilted now, but certainly at the time, in the mid-1980s, um, teams in the second, in the third and fourth division didn't have the same voting power as teams in the first and second. Yep. And they were associate members of the Football League. Yeah. Whereas if you're in the top two divisions... You were a full member of the Football League and your vote counted for more. I guess that's because you are guaranteed to be in the Football League for at least two more years after that point. It was also to keep control within the clubs in the top two divisions because they were the richest. But as you say, there wasn't a lot of enthusiasm about this tournament and only half full Wembley. But it was a hell's a popping match between Everton and Nottingham Forest. Two teams who probably had been disproportionately affected in one way or the other by hooliganism and the European ban. I mean, Everton particularly were, there was very, you could make an argument that there was a great team there that were stunted at birth. And unable unable to grow and attract any really significant talent because there was no European football for them. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a, and then you've got the kind of the, the slightly um, maybe darker side of that, which is that this is the 1989 final. You see the players there with their black armbands because this is just a few weeks after Hillsborough. And Nottingham Forest and Everton were involved in Hillsborough in their own way. Well, yeah, I mean the the Forest team on this for this match is the same that started the ill-fated semi-final. Yeah, so and you know, and for the fans as well, you know, they were all there. They saw this all with their own eyes, and then of course there won't have been many Evertonians at the time no. who wouldn't have known of somebody or been related to somebody or been friendly with somebody or whatever who was. Seriously affected yeah, yeah. that. The like, Liverpool-Everton rivalry isn't like other football rivalries, yeah. is it? I think it's fair to say that Hillsborough affected Everton as well. Yeah. Because it affected the city of Liverpool. Yeah. Obviously, you know, that's not to diminish what happened to anybody from from from, from Liverpool, or Liverpool Football Club or Liverpool supporters or whatever. It's just to say that there is all... You know, if these things happen at a match... These things happen within a kind of wider culture. Um, the impact stretches far beyond the people who are the most affected by it. 
And so I think there was probably an element of shock and in the air at the time of this particular game. I can imagine how it might have... Well, yeah, and it's a strange time. ...been a it, pretty sombre affair. Yeah, at, at this point, we don't know, for example, whether or not Nottingham Forest are going to be in the FA Cup. This could have been the FA Cup final this year as well. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, Liverpool were to beat Nottingham Forest in the rearranged mm. semi-final. But this this was a hell's a pop-in match. Um, Everton are a team who peaked in and around the mid 1980s mm-hmm. uh, slowly slowly in, entering into sort of terminal decline mm-hmm. forest peaked in the late 70s and 80s and are now sort of slumbering back into terminal decline and as uh, martin parry points out it's a one all draw for every half played apart from it turned out the very last one of extra time. Tyler, by the way, Martin Tyler. Oh, that's him. You said Martin Parrot. Oh, yeah. Just thought, just thought I'd deliberately flag that up. <laughs> I don't know, I've just been, a, just been a dick for no reason. I'm just disappointed it wasn't Jerry Harrison. Yeah, well, you'd have heard about it. I'd have, I'd have, I'd have reached down that wireless. <laughs> <laughs> yanked your balls. If you got his name wrong. But it's a right. It's a weird game, you know the 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 Chapman Cup final, as they call it now, because it doesn't really feel as if either team are too bothered about who wins and who loses, and that's fair for yeah, numerous reasons, both yep. footballing and not footballing. Yeah. But at the same time, it kind of feels as if that frees them up. That that there's a little bit of there's a there's a ever so slight feeling of end of term about it. The players are loosened up. There are a few more gaps than you would expect. There's some couple of really sloppily conceded goals. The defending, the defending at times isn't great. Yeah, Lee Chapman, uh, he did did score a couple of good goals though in the Chapman Cup final. He did score a couple of good goals in the Chapman and Cup Gary final. And Gary Parker's first, no, Gary Parker's second goal was quite an expansive counter-attacking move. It was. Nigel Clough pulling the strings. Well, I mean, this is what I mean about they were treating it like an end-of-term game. It's a (laughs) corner to Everton, and they haven't got a single player even in their own half. (laughs) It's like everyone has gone forward. It is worth pointing out that this is the penultimate cup of Brian Clough's career, and fittingly, he does go and collect it himself from Ted Mm. Croker. Yes. (laughs) There's a meeting of minds there. So, you know, there, there's there's that at least. Yeah, it's just it's just It is a really weird match. It's 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 like one of those matches between Arsenal, Tottenham and Chelsea during pre season this year. It looks like a proper football match, but it's not really a proper football match. It's almost a um pre season friendly. Yeah, well, that's very true. But with a cup at the end. Yeah, but you know. And Ted Croker. Yeah, full Croker. Full Croker. Croker. All Croker, all the all, time. All the time. The You're listening to Crocast. The Croker cast. You know, um, Ted Croker's uh, Eric Dyer's grandfather. Huh. So there you go. Huh. I did not know that. So that brings it back round because, of course, as we all know, it is prophesied that the chosen one. William Clough 
the grandson of Brian Clough will be the person to awaken Nottingham Forest from their slumber and once again win the full Members' Cup when English clubs are chucked out of Europe again. We we all know it's coming. (laughs) Talking of awakening people from their slumber... Yep. It's time we were off. Shall I put a fog on in there just yeah. to, so that people don't miss their station at the dawn of the train? Yeah, yeah. Wake up! Wake up! We will, we will be back same time next week. Thanks very much for listening. Goodbye. setting yourselves up as judge and jury I think you've gone over the dividing line where you have a contribution to make to one of being dogmatic uh, overbearing boring and you can keep going